do what it. What I really want, honestly, Michael, is for you to know it so that you can communicate it to the people here, to your clients, to whomever. Oh, okay. What? It's whoever, not whomever. That's whomever. No, whomever is never actually right. Well, sometimes it's right. Michael is right. It's a made-up word used to trick students. No. Actually, whomever is the formal version of the word. Obviously, it's a real word, but I don't know when to use it correctly. Not a native speaker. I know what's right, but I'm not going to say, because you're all jerks who didn't come see my band last night. Do you really know which one is correct? I don't know. It's whom when it's the object of the sentence and who when it's the subject. That sounds right. Well, it sounds right, but is it? How did Ryan use it as an object? As an object. Ryan used me as an object. Is he right about that? How did he use it again? It was Ryan wanted Michael, the subject, to uh, explain the computer system, the object. Thank you. To whomever, meaning us, the indirect object, which is the, the correct usage of the word. No one uh, asked you anything ever, so whomever's name is Toby, why don't you take a letter opener and stick it in your skull? Hey, this doesn't matter, and uh, I don't even care. Sure. I'm good. <laughs> Hello and welcome to what? What? <laughs> Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Say What You Mean. I'm Jeff and I'm Jake, and it's happened. It is. It has happened. <laughs> we have our guest CJ. Hey guys, thanks Hi. for having me. Yes, thank you for making this happen at nine in the morning. Yeah, I'm very excited because we have been trying to make this happen yeah. for a long, long time. I'm sitting right in between both of you, so this is going to be... And you're both wearing red. You're both wearing khakis. What is happening right now? <laughs> this, oh, this my God. This ties into a theme that I kind of mm -hmm. want to get into uh -oh. as we get going. Uh-oh. So. Uh-oh. Yeah, so um, welcome. Thank you. You've been listening and texting live so that's always been fun i've been blowing up jeff's phone since episode <laughs> one i appreciate it though um jake yes how you doing buddy i'm tired <laughs> why were you texting me at five in the morning because i was up like from yesterday yeah oh um, have you slept no oh my gosh i'm here though did you procrastinate yes okay <laughs> i procrastinated kind of okay so some of it's not my fault oh okay we didn't get the um, the final prompt wasn't released until um, our Monday's class was over. Yeah. And we had 72 hours to finish it. And it's about 3,000 words worth of writing. Oh, my God. So it's it, it's it's not a lot of time no. to develop an argument, especially with when we I'll talk about the prompt in a second. Yeah. But it's not a lot of time when you have to cover as much ground as you have to. Right. Um, especially 3,000 words is not a lot of actually not a lot <laughs> yeah so anyway i hate that for We're this particular for this that. particular prompt so anyway the um uh one of the other reasons why i didn't procrastinate as bad this time was because i had another final i was working on that's a group project and lo and behold 90 scaring me 90 percent of students if given yeah. the option will let somebody else completely do all of the work for them yep. and since i don't trust anybody else to get me an a yeah I usually am in the one at the forefront who's like, okay, let's, I'll start moving on it. As soon as we get the prompt, we'll start, I'll start, I'll start working on it mm -hmm. and trying to delegate, but everybody else just kind of sits back and lets me uh. do it. So I spent my entire day yesterday before work and at work working on this other final mm -hmm. because nobody else was doing anything with it. 
So that was, I was doing an entire group project by myself yesterday yeah. and that left just last night, this morning to try to, uh, try to finish this, When's it this monstrosity tonight at seven thirty. Oh my gosh. Are so you working? I work at 1130. You're going to work. I'm, I'm going to leave early. Oh my God. Yeah. You're an animal. So poor guy. Yeah, it's been my, wait, you're going straight from to work from here. Yeah. And you haven't slept. No. Dude, call in. Stop it. I can't. They know I have a final, so they know I'd be calling in not sick. Who cares? Yeah. You're leaving that job anyways. Trying to. Wow. You're terrifying me right now. Oh, did I tell you about my... Um, I, 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 Gosh, we, you and I have not talked we in a haven't. while. So next episode, you and I will have to get well, into Well, tell some me. The, now you got me interested. Well, well, no. It was just I had an interview with the school district. I oh, I you, you have right? to tell me. Okay. You have to tell me because you said you were going to wait to tell me. Oh, that's right. Okay, so... <laughs> Sorry, CJ, for for dominating this conversation. No, I did not in, did not intend to do this, but uh, Jeff and I haven't caught up. In a yeah, while, so. I, you texted me about it, and I was like, I need to know. We got to have an episode that has this because if I'm listening in, if I hear myself talk the whole time, I'm going to turn off. So. I feel the same way. The episodes where I talk a lot, I just skip through what I'm, oh, I'm talking. Stop. That's true. Well, anyway, you know what you're saying, too. Yeah. Though, so. mm-hmm. And plus, my voice is annoying. So I guess. Anyway. The so back to back to back to my interview. Yeah, I I applied for a job that was called it just educational assistant. It was through uh, ESD one twelve, yep. which is not like a school district job, but it's a you're working with the um, Washington um, like Department of Education. Okay, and what I so basically all it said is like your minimum qualifications was bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. Okay, got that. Got it. Um, and then there's a couple that was just the minimum qualifications. That was it. Mm-hmm. And then there had preferred qualifications, which was um, like different. What the heck is clicking? It might be my, might be my phone. I'll get it <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, so I, I applied for this job and nowhere in the description did it say anything about what the job actually you said really that. was. Yeah. You it told just me said that. like I would be work. I would be assisting um, teachers in writing lesson plans and working in small groups and individually with students outside of the out, like outside of the classroom during like structured um, one-on-one um, edu- you know one-on-one lesson time okay so like I would go and lead like small like it said like I'd lead small groups and stuff like that work mm-hmm. individually with students I need extra help and stuff like that just be an assistant to the teacher educational assistant so I show up there mm-hmm. get into the interview I sit down and the first question the guy asks me he says so why did you want to work with um, with at-risk youth in a, in a juvenile detention center. Oh, God. And it wasn't... Dude, it was not... that They left that completely <laughs> out of the uh, of the description. That's annoying. So I hadn't even... like I'm like, I didn't... I was like, so I was I was like, oh, oh crap. Like, <laughs> what am I supposed to answer to? I've yeah. been like researching backwards design and different like... Right, um, right, right. Different stuff that like... Different like pedagogy for edu- for education mm-hmm. and then i end up with a question of why do i want to work with at-risk youth i was like uh i don't <laughs> did you say that no oh, I, p- I was able to i, I, I saved have. it i pivoted i pivoted well enough uh-huh. but overall like it was a much better experience in my fisher investment yes um yeah if anybody's heard that story it's on episode crap? 11 I, I do i was i was in shock i was like only this would happen to me like i would show up and they would just be this I don't know how you not how you don't write that. Right. Like this is working at a juvenile detention center in downtown Vancouver. It wasn't in anywhere because they even handed me the the description. Like where'd you apply for down. the job? What's up? Where where did you apply for it? Uh, through government jobs. Yeah, it should say on there. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they even handed me a uh, like uh, the printout of it. Uh-huh. And when I sat down, they're like, well, we assume you've seen this. And I mm-hmm. said, yeah. And I took it with me when I left. I re-read read, read, read back through it and nowhere, even on the flyer that they handed me, did it say anything like that. Whoa. So that really sucked. But it was also <laughs> like, man, not again. I would totally do that job. <laughs> would you? I would love that job. Okay. Yeah. I don't have any. Well, I... I wouldn't. I guess I wouldn't necessarily you do a podcast with an at-risk kid. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily not do it. Yeah. It's just. It's not at all what I prefer yeah, for, and right. I had no answers right. for how to um, how Dang. to navigate those that it's interview. A totally different so, conversation. Yes, yeah, completely oh yeah. different conversation. So I was like, Jeez, "Oh man, I'm dude. like, here we go. I want to stammer. I want to end up just walking out of the room like I did with <laughs> with Fisher Investments when I just hung up the phone." Yeah, <laughs> so I'm like, "Oh fuck, yeah, damn it, I'm I'm screwed." So that was that was that. So they hired you. No, I haven't. I haven't heard anything. I haven't Dude, heard I'm surprised back. you got a call back from government jobs. I thought that website was a sham because I pl- <laughs> applied for like 57 jobs a day. It pretty much is, yeah. man. It's like it's a it's a black hole. Like That's I crazy. And I, I, well, I'm, I'm really disappointed with our alma mater. They haven't emailed me back for that job. Oh, the writing center. yeah, they should so. hire you for that. You'd be awesome at that. Well, my job might be open soon. Yeah. My position. Your position, go because yeah. you are you taking that job? Probably. Probably. Yeah. But we'll talk about that All later. All right. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Um Okay, let's get into this. CJ, why are you a super fan? <laughs> I'm reading your notes here. That's what it says. Sure. So <laughs> I think my context for that is partly I'm a super fan of Jeff, obviously. Oh, thank um you. You've kind of hinted at uh, my brothers and my cousins and I are, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're obviously Jen's cousins and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah, we need to give background here. Jen always gets pissed when she listens to podcasts and there's no background of who they are. So yes, you are my wife's cousin. <laughs> sure, and so I'm trying to remember because part of this episode is going to be how fast time has gone and really how long right. some of these things are back in the past, but. Um, I was trying to remember, like, I don't remember when you kind of first appeared on the scene. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to remember if that's because um, I was away at college or like after school, I was here for a couple of years and then Mm -hmm. I moved to Texas for about a year. Mm -hmm. But somewhere along the way, um, Jeff entered the scene Mm -hmm. and we'd be at family events and stuff and we'd be there. We'd start talking about blazers or different things like that (laughs) and pretty soon i remember we had kind of this committee meeting of like my brothers and um um, our cousins and Mm -hmm. we were like do you think it'd be weird if we like went to jeff and said hey we're gonna like chip in and help you buy a ring or anything like that like we were we were so stoked to have you kind of connect to our extended family that was so funny that's because I actually liked this guy. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't stand him when I first met him. <laughs> You're lying. <laughs> Is that true? No. Oh, okay. It's because I, I took five years to ask Jen to marry me. So these mm. guys are like, yo, what's going on? <laughs> Is it money? Do we need to help him buy a ring? No, I mean, it's just like we we genuinely appreciate having you around. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, I have not been part of the group that plays basketball with you guys right, and right. stuff. but. Just like God, I love playing basketball with you, though. It's so fun. <laughs> we had fun at, at Matt's bachelor <laughs> yeah, party. Yeah, that was cool. Um, so obviously, when you started this podcast and mm-hmm. said, "Hey, give it a listen," I'm going to do that because mm-hmm. it's you. Okay. I also have appreciated following your your journey through school mm-hmm. and um, as you kind of gravitated towards history. I was a history minor in mm-hmm. college, and mm-hmm. so I could resonate with some of that. 
And then I listen to episode one and I hear you talking to this guy who probably comes from the other side of the street from, from your background. Mm -hmm. But I start to hear this journey of what's happening on that side of the street right now. And, mm -hmm. and where are we? And I go, wow, this is the thought process I've been having in my head. And mm -hmm. it's like, in, in some ways I'm like, Jake is a parallel universe CJ. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at you two right now. It's so the, the red shirts, like it just, Oh, that's perfect. where, okay. Now I understand. Where yeah, you're gonna, gotcha. so and, good. and then, and then the, um, we're not definitely direct carbon copies cause you've got golden retrievers that you're working to train for hunting. Mm -hmm. I have a, I have a golden doodle who, okay. ha who has trained me to give him water only from the tub faucet. He won't, he won't <laughs> eat, I love it. I love little idiosyncrasies so, like that with dogs. Yeah. It's oh hilarious. My but he's, he's at the groomer today while I'm doing this. So it worked out well. But anyways, I uh, it's just been awesome to listen. And I appreciate um, hearing you guys really take that thoughtful approach to what's happening in the world right now and to historical topics that you've covered. Mm -hmm. I was just telling Jeff, I just listened to um, your episode of To the Republic with um, Donna and... Oh, and Jake crushed it, I have to say that. Like, when I text you, like, how stoked I am and how proud I am, I'm not All exaggerating. Right. Well, thank, well, thank you. I, I, like, I, I didn't think I did a very good No, honestly, it was I I so good. I was, like, yeah. listening to one of my best friends do a podcast, and it, like, got me hyped. Like, it didn't even feel like my show, because I was just, it was just you, and I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, I was just, like, cheering you on, like, audibly, like, oh, yeah, get him. And then there's that one point where you're like, yeah, and then I... I laid down the hammer on this part, and I was like, "Dude, he's so smart." I was, I was your biggest hype man. I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. <laughs> well, I thank, loved it. Well, thank you. Sorry, I and thank, and thank you for it. listening to yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was really informative <laughs> and interesting. I was telling Jeff too before you got here. Um, I, I appreciated listening to Donna sharing when she was talking about um, her kind of journey of thinking about environment and how policy relates to that. And the, the example she used was. Um, when she was told they had to bundle up the newspaper mm -hmm. for recycling. And she's like, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way of I'm, I'm more libertarian in how I think about things. And I, and that also resonated for mm -hmm. me of like, I think growing up, I, I kind of had this thought process of like leaning more toward being libertarian of everybody should just do their own thing, but starting to recognize how even individual choices escalate into that bigger context. Right. You know, if my neighbor burns garbage all day and my kids have asthma, I, I maybe start to rethink some of those libertarian ideas. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> anyways, so that, that gets us off track. But um, part of the reason why I also really resonate with this conversation about politics mm -hmm. uh, is because um, of some of my background. So rolling back a little bit. Yeah. Um, I went to college at Walla Walla University. Mm -hmm. At that time, it was Walla Walla College. I was the last class to graduate before they changed, changed it to university oh, status. Okay. Um, and I was a journalism major, mm -hmm. which, based on some conversations here, means I'm kind of recognizing or representing the dark side a yeah, little well, bit. Yeah, you said that. What do you mean? Well, I mean, we talk about the media and feeling like it's, it's maybe oh, not portraying things yeah, accurately for sure. or... And so we can get into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping I can redeem myself by bringing that history minor. <laughs> history minor. <laughs> um, yeah. And how I ended up doing those things is I had a fourth grade teacher who told me I was a really good writer. Mm -hmm. Said that in parent-teacher conference in front of my parents. So probably in my like early education, that was the thing that stuck with me the most. Sure. And so for the rest of my academic career, I just carried with me that I have skill around right. writing. Um, 
which probably means I tried to coast on it a little bit and didn't develop it as much as I could uh, or should have. But when I got to college, I was like, okay, I know I'm really good at writing. Mm-hmm. So to be successful, I should think about what's going to require writing. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll be an English major. Mm-hmm. And then I started looking and thinking, do I really want to be, read a bunch of classical English literature? No, you don't. Delve deep into that. I started that didn't, route. <laughs> didn't, didn't sound very fun. No. So then I was talking with a um, career counselor or mm-hmm. college admission counselor, and journalism came up as we were looking through the catalog. And I thought, that sounds really interesting because it's it's like here and now, it's mm-hmm. and it's you know writing. And, um, and then in my mind, I thought of history as a minor because... I see journalism as like documenting the history of right now. Right. You guys talk right. about going to primary sources. Many of those things are put together by oh, yeah. journalists oh, at yeah. that time. I would say one of the other things that was really formidable in all of that experience, I was thinking about this after after talk, agreeing to come on mm-hmm. and thinking through some of that stuff, is uh, when I was a senior in high school, so when I'm making all these decisions, was 2001, so 9-11 happened. Oh, gosh. At the beginning of my senior year of high school. Right. Um, and I just senior remember... Year? Yeah. That was my freshman year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm old. <laughs> but I just remember, like, being glued to the TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, I think for, for all of us who were alive and, and right. at that age at that time, that's our... JFK assassination for moment. sure that's oh, our yeah. Pearl Harbor moment it defines what we think about as a pivotal moment in our country and in our history mm-hmm. and I remember really seeing that through the lens of journalism mm-hmm. um, and and I think in a lot of ways at least in that initial um, period right after that happened we saw some of what the best of what journalism can and should be mm-hmm. which is getting mm-hmm. rid of all of the um, the commentary and the mm-hmm. slants to things and just really holding up a transparent lens and inviting people to look through and say, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was tough and it was scary. And um, I still have, I think the, the newspaper from the next day that had the, the headlines oh, and stuff. Do you? Um, That's awesome. I think the Colombian. And then the thing I remember the most too was like a little bit later that week, um, when you started to see the stories of people with like just homemade signs with like a picture of a loved one that Ugh, they couldn't find. Yeah. And as a senior in high school, just like recognizing that, that these events, maybe that we had read about in a history book, mm-hmm. they're not just this thing that, that happens and right. history moves on, but like there are real people and families mm-hmm. who, who mm-hmm. are deeply affected by that. Yeah. You know, living where we do, I, you know, didn't firsthand know anybody that was directly right, affected. Right. But, you know, as time goes on, you start to meet people or you hear those things. But even if you don't, you just see that and recognize, like, in another reality, that could be me mm-hmm. or that could be my family. And so I, I think I went into school with this kind of, like, really noble ideal of I'm going to be a mm. newspaper writer. Yeah. I'm going to tell those kinds of <laughs> stories. Um, and I was really lucky. So Walla Walla University is a small um, church, uh, religious mm-hmm. college. Um, I think there were about 2,000 students, if I remember right. Okay. Um, and Walla Walla is a unique community because you have Walla Walla University there. You have Whitman College, mm-hmm. which is a 
fancy um, private university mm-hmm. or college. And then you also have a community college that really focuses on um, all in Walla Walla. Yeah. Wow. Agriculture. So there's, you know, there's big farm community right. there and it's kind of been in this transformation. So the, the wine industry has taken mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then there's also because of number of factors, but you have like this art community as well. So mm. it's, you have kind of all walks of life. There. Right. Um, it's really interesting. Uh, one summer I stayed through the summer and the town is totally different because you have all of these students that come and right. then they all leave. And it's like, you have a handful of church people who are still there and you have these farmers mm-hmm. and then you have kind of some, it's probably gotten much bigger since then, but like these tourists that come for the wine and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I would hate staying. It was I would so hate it. This is why I stayed, and this is why it was actually pretty cool. So that's what I was getting at. So yeah. small school, small journalism mm-hmm. program, but there was a college newspaper. There was a college wow. um, TV news program mm-hmm. that was part of a local TV station there. And there was a um, radio station, which mm-hmm. was like just like a contemporary Christian radio station. But during my time there, I got to work um, at the TV station and at the radio station. Mm-hmm. Um one of my good friends who's actually been my boss two different times now um, hired me on to be the um, associate news director for the news program that the college did for the TV mm-hmm, station. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the summer I stayed was the summer after she graduated and I was promoted to news director. Oh, and so that's cool. Every day we got to come in and look at what was happening in the world. We had the AP wire and then we had three TVs in our little office where we worked and we would have on like CNN and Fox mm-hmm. news. And I think that I would always put the other one on ESPN and mm-hmm. watch <laughs> pardon the interruption and around the horn. Yeah. You got to have the sports, but we would, we would put together like a short news program. It was kind of like if you listen on the radio and they have like the top headlines at the mm-hmm. top of the hour, like very, very short segments that we would say like, here's three or four local news stories that were happening and three or four national and international stories. And then we would always mm-hmm. end with like a, you know, here's a squirrel water skiing. Kind of like, <laughs> yeah, we call of course. It, you call it the kicker. It's yeah. like the, the kind of lighthearted thing to send people out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really cool to get that experience. And it actually kind of shifted my um, perspective. I kind of entered school thinking I would be pursuing a career in print journalism. Mm-hmm. And then I left kind of more interested in TV um, that's crazy. The only kind of actual reporting that I did for mm-hmm. one of those TV stories was actually a really interesting story. So um, my senior year, um, the Iraq war was going on mm-hmm. and there was a soldier from the Tri-Cities, which is near Walla Walla, mm-hmm. that had been killed. They were bringing his body back and going to have a big memorial service for him. And for whatever reason, um, the Westboro Baptist Church decided that they oh, were going to come wow. and stage. They announced they were going to come and stage this protest, yeah. saying the Iraq War is happening because the U.S. is um, tolerant of right. things that we don't believe in. Right. And so word got out about that, and so we thought, well, that'll be an interesting thing. We could go. We could get video, our own video mm-hmm. footage. We could do a stand up. We could maybe talk to some people although at that time my social anxiety was such that 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 didn't end up happening dude i'm the worst at that what was so cool though (laughs) is so we went kind of thinking that was going to be the story and then what ended up happening is a group called the patriot guard riders the motorcycle guys which is a motorcycle club um they heard that the westboro baptists Mm -hmm. were going to be there and so like sixty thousand motorcycle riders came and they made this big wall around where the funeral was happening 
And then it ended up that like 20 or 30 Westboro Baptist people showed up and yeah. they like looked at the crowd and turned around and left. So it ended up being like a totally different thing. It ended up being this community coming together to support this guy, That's this crazy. family. But um, all of those things, I think, just led to a real interest in um, where I go back to saying, like, defending the dark side of, mm-hmm. of the media. I, I, I think there's deep down there's a noble ideal or there can be. Right. And there's important value in taking seriously how you take the events of a, of the world mm-hmm. of a local community and tell that story to people. Right. I had a journalism professor who talked about journalism being a culture's conversation with itself. Mm. So as I was kind of thinking about preparing my thoughts, I remembered that. And what I take that to mean is like the role of the media is to hold up a mirror. Right. Um, and whether that's through, you know, television or through mm-hmm. a newspaper or something like that. And in a perfect scenario, we as a society look into it and we say, this is who and what we are. Right. And then it's our opportunity to decide, do we like what we see? Mm -hmm. Just like if we look in a mirror at home, we can say, Oh, I want to change something. Mm -hmm. And then we work hard to make that happen. Um, I don't know that that's always happening today. The Um, one, the one thing I always come back to and sorry, I always come back to this, but I I always come back to, uh, I feel like comedians do that a lot too. Mm -hmm. They're, they're constantly having this, narrative or reflection on society and telling jokes about it that that pokes fun at where we are the things that we do but also those can sometimes be very serious topics yeah i mean it reveals truth right and you and i have talked i think it would be really interesting in especially some of these early debates where there's so many candidates and it's so oh, hard to yeah. be memorable i would love if there was a requirement that you spent like two minutes up at the top of the debate saying i want to outline my own hypocrisy here's mm-hmm. Here's oh, the things that yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of talked about. Like it's like at the end of Eight Mile, yeah, eight when, mile. when Eminem just kind of undercuts <laughs> everybody by like putting the dirt yeah, out there, just yeah. just saying, "Here's everything that that people see wrong about me, and yeah. I'm going to own it." But instead, it's like we always try and pivot the conversation. For sure. I was going to say uh, something to what you were saying before, Jake. Was um, Bernie was on Joe Rogan? Okay, and he wanted Joe Rogan hates. TV and and the debates and all that he likes long form discussion he likes podcasts so he wanted Bernie to come on there and Bernie said he goes I hate those debates because they are just clips and bumper sticker quotes and he was like saying exactly what you were saying as Mm -hmm. far as like that's all they're there for is just to get a quick quick hit and say something memorable and the the only the only candidates I like that forum are are the ones that are trying to gain popularity right like it's it's not the front runners that like that like, right. like that because you you just you, they get dragged down to the mud with with the you know with the one per, the people that are pulling out one yeah. percent who are trying to do everything they can to um you know take gain in the polls right, right. i thought I, it was interesting I, I think that's also a symptom of the holding up the mirror mm-hmm. because as a society that's sometimes kind of what we ask for that's the other thing i was going to get to yeah. is um, another picture I've had of the media is recognizing that in this country, m- media news is a for-profit endeavor. And so, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And yes. so if you opened a restaurant and said, I'm only going to give people like, the exact food that's like perfect nutrition for them. Yeah. Even if you advertised <laughs> it as that, people are not going to go there. They're no. going to go to the place next door that has the 
you know, yeah, you get a T-shirt if you finish this steak in, sure. in two hours or whatever. And and so people plan for like uh, taking home like half their meal and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think that's another piece of the discussion is um, how to how to balance as a consumer. How mm-hmm. do I how do I demand or look for the important things? That's what I right. hear you guys saying. Like you like the long form. Mm-hmm. Um, when you guys talk about articles on your podcast, mm-hmm. you're usually talking about, you know, the Atlantic or the New York Times or some of these long form journalism yeah. pieces that still fit that more I think more classic model and I cheat with the New York times and then he sends me like an eight page article. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, Oh gosh. Okay. But I think that's so important. And you talked about comedy. I was thinking too, like during kind of the period I want to talk about. Yeah. And and like when I started, I remember my um, coworker and I at the TV station, we sat down in like the very first episode of the Colbert report. Oh wow. We sat in the newsroom and watched it as we're putting stuff together. And we were like, this is awesome awesome it's like such a game changer but the more i think about it i think there's value in things like that Mm -hmm. and what it maybe does though is gives people a false sense of understanding the issues Mm because they've those comedians are doing the same thing in the debates they're taking these big topics and often breaking them down into bumper sticker size things or or you know that was ahead of the time, but like, mm-hmm. you know, taking, taking the news of the day and making it into memes right. and that doesn't tell the whole story. It, right. it, it should encourage us. I mean, it, it's fun and it's entertaining mm-hmm. and there's value there, but it should encourage us to look deeper and, and say, how do we understand these? Yeah. Issues? I think I enjoy it so much because it's, it's delivered like on this nice plate that I enjoy, but then I take that and I go, I'm going to look into that and I'm going to make more of that Yeah, where people will, just eat it up and be like, oh, I guess I have all the information I need from this comedian <laughs> instead of looking to investigate a little more. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, which I mean, each each one of those guys like have their own little have their own little niche. Yeah. And their differentiation within it. And like I, I Seth, I, the one I like the most is actually Seth Myers. He does like a, stands he, he does. Myers. He does a clo- his closer look. Yeah. He actually is like ten minutes. And he he like he does. I haven't seen this though. He song, does. Yeah. He does go in like pretty decent. Like he goes in pretty decent depth. Uh huh. I mean, it helps when you have an informed background on most of the topics right. and you've done research outside of this. So like you can get a lot of the other like subtle subtle humor, mm-hmm. and you can like you can pick out. Okay, well he's obviously he has a bias like they're like he's clearly right. like a elizabeth warren supporter like if you oh, listen, really? if you listen okay. to his uh, how he breaks how he's broken down the the democratic the last two democratic debates mm-hmm. like he hammers on everybody's but then when it's elizabeth warren oh, like you interesting. can you can pick up on where he's like or he'll say certain things that elizabeth warren has endorsed and he, he talks about those in a positive light and right. then it's, it's joe biden and um or bernie sanders and they're you know they're old and he makes grandpa jokes and stuff mm-hmm. like that so it's 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 thinly veiled but if you have if you go into watching those things with a good informed background they, yeah. there is value in it because sometimes being able to laugh is, is a nice release for sure for sure yeah that's a good point i'll have to watch that what's it called a closer look a closer look from seth myers okay yeah. Yeah, we've talked about what's his name trying to be political, and it just doesn't work. James Corden, James Corden, yeah, Corden and Fallon both. It's just yeah, like you Fallon guys are just they're joke. They're just jumping on that bandwagon because <laughs> they know like it gets ratings right now. Because yeah. if you talk bad about Trump, you're gonna get right. you're gonna get a huge. A It'll be on boost. YouTube, and yeah. then people will look you're that clip up. You're gonna get a huge boost in your in your. Um, and whether you know what you're talking about or not, which cl- clearly Jimmy Fallon just parrots like everything else. Dude, like he's he like pet hearing the president. 
on the head. <laughs> <laughs> I do like Oliver, John Oliver, a lot. Oliver though. is really good. Yeah. I just watched his uh, last week, his I last need week's to catch up. episode. Well, and uh, I haven't seen a lot of John Oliver, but the difference, mm-hmm. I think, being on HBO again, he's got a little bit more oh, license yeah. and, and and does stretch into that little bit longer format. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. Those segments he explores are longer. Well, and he, I think, he does a really good job of trying to. St- he has definitely made a concerted effort this season to stay away from really hot button issues and focus on more systemic issues, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. Yeah, because yeah. he instead of like right now the gun, you know the gun debate is is hot, right? And instead of trying to do a gun like a, a you know his story, his weekly story on mm-hmm. the gun issue, he's focusing on stuff like he this last weekend was yeah. like was talking about the uh, the president of Turkmenistan and oh, the, his okay. weird idiosyncrasies, and then tying it into global. Um, uh, into global Uh-oh, autocratic I know trends. You love that. So it's just yeah. like it's well, that's honestly like I appreciate him talking about the macro systemic issues yeah. Yeah, yeah, versus yeah. like getting into the minutia of the day, which For is sure. which no matter what he says about guns, it's going to be divisive. Yep. And, and he gets no, he's not going to get anywhere with that, right? right. It's, it's either what he says is going to um, further the vacuum mm-hmm. on on either side of whatever you know whatever side of the debate he takes. Right. So I pre- I really appreciate John Oliver for that. Yeah, that's good. And point. it also gives. We're talking about all these other folks and, and, you know, you open social media or Mm -hmm. you go anywhere else and you're seeing all those hot button issues. And so then have somewhere else where somebody's talking about something different and reminding you that there's more and bigger things in the world. I think there's a, there's a business decision that's being made Mm -hmm. there as well as a, as a, you know, a policy preference decision. I liked what you said earlier, CJ, and I wanted to just point it out just because I'm, I studied history, but I do. I feel like a lot of times when people look at history or think about history, and I'm just reiterating what you said, but they do think about these events or these just moments. And and I think that I've had the pleasure of kind of we've had the pleasure of kind of looking and realizing, oh, there's this isn't just a moment in time. This was a period, and people live through this. And and there's going to be a time where people will go, oh yeah, Donald Trump was president, but that was four years of that presidency, or or oh nine eleven happened, but that was a catastrophic event, but the repercussions we still see today. Mm-hmm. And when people look at history, they just see those one things like that, that legislation that just passed to, to continuously fund those workers on nine 11, those responders who went and did that, that is a repercussion of that catastrophic event, but we're still seeing the legislation being made today. Um, so I don't know. I, I just think that that's an important point to emphasize that. Yes. It is history, and it can just seem like events, but there are people, and I think that that's what I loved about oral history was getting – when I'm interviewing these people or I'm sitting there while someone's getting interviewed, I'm putting together like, holy shit, like somebody's going to go back and listen to these at some point, and that's going to be their historical study, and I don't know. There's just so much more. I just wanted to reiterate that. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, and I think um, – I want to – I want to keep keep rolling, but yeah, I do yeah. want to think about a couple of things. So um, a couple of classes that as I've listened to you guys talk, that, mm-hmm. um, and not directly related to that, but yeah. one of my favorite history classes that I took was called American Visual Culture. Mm. Um, and I think the reason I probably really liked that is um, I didn't know it at the time yet when I was going through college necessarily, but mm-hmm. like um, since then I've really discovered photography and become right. really yeah, passionate oh yeah. about that. And American visual culture kind of talked about, you know, not only are the words that are captured painting or telling us Mm -hmm. or informing what periods of history were like, but 
the images that are whether it was a painting because it's way back or you know photography oh, and video yeah. and it's also the things that rise to the surface you know we talk about um 9-11 and there's there's powerful images there there's the the firefighters raising the flag right um and and just different things like that i mean i i talked about the the families holding up the signs and like mm-hmm. i have a very distinct piece of news video that's burned into my my consciousness right. about that particular thing um so we looked at a bunch of different things like that mm-hmm. it was kind of like dissecting life magazine in a way right um did you research or learn marshall mcclellan in your communications or history because he he his thing is the media is the message yeah or the medium is the message yeah so that's what i think about when you're talking about the photography yeah well and so photojournalism is so interesting because it's you've been posting some really good ones on your instagram story where it's just like the imagery and it, it's yeah. subjective. And so, you know, there's famous historical images and then sometimes yeah. they've been cropped and you, like if you see the broader, oh, there's a, there's a really yes, great example yes. of, of that. And I'm trying to remember the specific image, but like if you crop it two different ways, mm-hmm. it tells two totally different stories wow. about like, um, who's, who you might perceive as the good guy or the mm-hmm, bad guy. Mm-hmm. There's, there's like this conflict going on and, and one person has a gun and one person doesn't, or I, I'm trying to remember. If you remember, send but it I'll, to me. Yeah, I'll That's see all, that'd be it. awesome but to see. It It's a really, really interesting thing. And then, you, you know, you'll hear stories about one of the things that we looked at that was really interesting is during the civil war, mm-hmm. one of the first, like that was kind of the first time that something like that was photographed. And it was like very early primitive photography. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the first photographers that was doing that would like, go to the battle scene and he would arrange bodies yes. like yeah, put yeah, more yeah. bodies in yeah. a place so that it, it exaggerated the mm-hmm. death toll or you know doing a lot of different things it reminded me a little bit of the movie nightcrawler which i haven't watched it um, yet it's on my list i want to see it so bad so don't spoil it no i'll, I'll <laughs> just say there's one very pivotal moment uh-huh. in that movie that like it shows that conscious choice of yeah. saying like Am I am I just here to to sort of capture the facts of a situation, right? Or am I here to an, advance an agenda, whether that's my personal career or oh, some other kind of thing? Dang, and a, and dude, a choice I gotta is watch made. That movie. Um, it, it I was not expecting like that kind of a deep thing because it's not that's not right. kind of how the movie was built. But as someone with a journalism background, mm-hmm. that that part was really interesting yeah. to me. I'll have to watch that. Um, so another reason why I really appreciate this podcast yeah. um, when you start talking about politics is another piece of my background intersects with that really well, mm-hmm. which is um, my senior year in college, I had the opportunity to serve as an intern with the Washington State Legislature. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's available to all college juniors and seniors. Um I believe in Washington state and maybe if you're a Washington state resident, but mm-hmm. you are going to college somewhere else, it's also available. Oh, um, okay. I just happened to see like a flyer posted mm-hmm. probably in the history building. And so I submitted an application. Wait, a history building? Like uh, on my college campus. Like, I wish we had a building. That's awesome. So it was, it was a, and I think they've done some remodeling now, but yeah. it was like two classrooms. Yeah. But the, our campus was broken out into right. a lot of small buildings. Um, so I submitted an application and mm-hmm. I was kind of, because it's me, I was kind of like noncommittal about it, but then I had to get letters of recommendation from like former teachers Mm -hmm. and stuff. And so senior year, you said, yeah. Okay. So 
I was like, well, if I'm going to do that, then I got to take this seriously. So, right. well, yeah, cause you have to live there. Yeah. So, yeah. um, for those that don't know in Washington state, the legislature runs, um, on, let's see, in even numbered years, the session is 60 days and in odd numbered years, it's 120 days, I think, or something oh, or 180 weird. days. So the reason for that is the longer session in odd numbered years is when they write a two year budget for the state. Mm-hmm. So that takes a lot of extra time. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to the other work that the legislature is doing. And then in even numbered years, they, the same budget is running and they just do a short little body of work to do any kind of amendment that needs to okay. happen to make the budget balance. Right. Um, hmm. And then they focus on other stuff. So that's really, um, I applied in 2005 and was accepted for the 2006 session. I was trying to remember if it was, it was at least 300 applications that they had throughout the state. And I want to say it may have even been as high as between five and 700. I don't remember, but they select, um, I think around 50 interns and I was one of the ones selected. So it was really exciting and overwhelming. Um, I can't say enough good things about the, the program and about particularly, um, the coordinator who was doing it at that time. From what I understand, Washington has one of the best legislative intern programs. Um, during the summers, our, the coordinator at that time would go to other states and essentially teach their intern programs how to do oh, the things that wow. they were doing here. Yeah, that's awesome. And just on a personal level, I mean, she was incredible because of the work she did to pair interns with like the best fits for them. Right. So most interns work in a specific representative or senator's office. Um, I, like Jeff said, I had to move to Olympia f- during the session, um, which was kind of overwhelming for me. I'd kind yeah. of lived in this sh- sheltered bubble. Um, I had gone to church school all the way through in college. So I had right. been part of this just very s- narrow, small community. And suddenly I'm, I'm leaving all that. I'm going to Olympia and like trying to find a place to live. Right. There were, um, I think, five interns selected from my college that particular year. So oh, I, wow. a couple of us found a house in Shelton, which was like 30 minutes from Olympia. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was like somebody's vacation house that right. would rent to us for just a couple months. Because that was very tricky to find. They mm-hmm. had some resources for short-term housing. Was it during the summer? It was No, it's January to March. Okay, so it always starts say, at the yeah. beginning of the year. Okay, um, That's crazy. But anyway, so the two interns that I was working with were both assigned. Well, no. So one was assigned to uh, Mike Hewitt, who was the Senate minority leader at that time. Um, He was a Republican from Walla Walla. And then the other intern that was living with us was assigned to Senator Jeanine Cole Wells, who was a Democrat from, I think, in the Seattle area. I can't remember for sure. But my assignment was... um, to work in the communications and public information office of the Senate Republican caucus, which was really, really cool. Um, and I think for me, a much, much more meaningful experience than working for a specific Senator or representative. It, it aligned, um, really closely with work I do now, um, which is doing communications and public relations for a local hospital. But, uh, I was telling Jeff, so there was a staff of about, um, I think it was, five people and they each represented like four or five senators as like their public information officer. Um, and then there was a staff of people that did a bunch of different kinds of support services. And so, um, 
I was helping with a few of those things. I had a couple kind of typical tasks. This was pre Google alerts. Right. So every morning somebody (laughs) would come in super early um, and they did this for both parties, but Mm -hmm. they would go through all the newspapers from the state and they would clip every article that dealt with um, the legislature. Mm -hmm. And then they would put those into like this big file and they would print like tons of copies of them. Mm -hmm. And so we would get a big stack in our office. So then I would take one of those and I would go through it and I would highlight anywhere that a Republican senator was quoted. Oh, wow. And I would like transcribe that. Mm -hmm. And so then at the end of the session, we had um, like notebooks for each senator that said, here's where you were covered in the media. And not just at the end of the session, but as things were going, if there were issues that were being debated, um, they would know what was on the record in Mm -hmm. terms of what they had said. So Jeez. I can't imagine wow. what interns do now because <laughs> yeah. like, that took me hours and hours. But what was yeah. really With cool. Social media and yeah. just the electronic media right. era. What was, was really, really Sorry, cool, though. Really cool, though. Forgive you. I yeah. am listening. I am listening. You are definitely forgiven, Jake. <laughs> so, um, another really cool dimension of the internship program, though, mm-hmm. is it's it's not just going to work there's an educational component and requirement you can't do the internship unless your college is going to give you credit for it so oh you, wow you, that's interesting that is interesting they want it to be educational and so right. i met every week with the intern coordinator and like the first week she said you need to bring some goals of things that you want to accomplish during this time right and the first meeting i was like super overwhelmed cuz we had had like a kind of round table where all the interns got introduced and as they were going around the room it's like i'm stuff shirt legacy the third yeah from washington state <laughs> university and i'm a political science major right or i'm a pre-law major right. or like all of these things and then i'm like i'm this kid from walla walla and right. i'm a journalism major um and so i kind of explained that to the to the coordinator mm-hmm. and she said cj i want you to know that you belong here right you're you're every bit as as qualified or capable mm-hmm. as anybody else um and part of that was just like my personality and for sure and i think being a young kid i was yeah. still pretty nervous and insecure but um as i talked with her about specific goals it was really interesting because i got assigned to like say okay you want to follow a bill through the legislative process so you need to find one and mm-hmm. when it goes to committee you need to tell your supervisor that's supervising you for intern work. I'm not available at this time because I'm going to the committee to, mm-hmm. to hear the discussion on the bill. Um, and then when it goes to the floor, you follow it there. When it goes to the other chamber, you follow mm-hmm. it there. Um, I love that. I got to attend a press conference with the governor. Yeah. Which was, at that time was Christine Gregoire. That was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like the nitty gritty stuff, dude. It was super cool. We got and and then as interns, we got to also as a group do different kinds of things. So like we visited the state supreme court. We mm-hmm. got to meet the justices. They oh, took wow. us back to their chamber. They talked That's about cool. the work they do. I I torture my kids now. Every anytime we drive <laughs> through Olympia, like to Seattle and stuff, I always want to stop there and yeah. I like take them through. And we can't go all the places where I could go as an intern because I had you know more access. But right. I I. This this year during spring break, we were up there mm-hmm. and I took my nine year old and we sat in the house chamber in the gallery and we listened and they were doing some discussion on um, amendments to the state budget. Mm-hmm. And it was super 
encouraging and super interesting. And I was kind of trying to talk through him, mm-hmm. talk him through what was happening. Right. But um, was he asking questions? A little bit. Yeah. And like he was, he's very, very observant. So yes. he'll be really quiet and just kind of take everything mm-hmm. in. Um, my, oh, that's so cute. My wife was chasing my three-year-old around <laughs> out in the way, <laughs> trying to keep him from climbing on the statue of George Washington or something. But um, it, it's, it was just really, really cool to see all yeah. those parts of the process. I would yeah. highly recommend, I, I think I've told you before, Jeff, yeah. I, I not just because I have worked there as an intern, but I, and I think probably that is what reinforces it to me, but I look at that and I say, that's, that's my Capitol building. Like mm-hmm. it belongs right. to me as much as anybody else that's there. So when I have the opportunity, I do appreciate going and yeah. seeing it, thinking about what happens there. Um, and having that reminder that that's the place where we determine right. who we are. It's, it's kind of like we've looked in that mirror and said, you know, what do we think of this? Where do we want to go? Mm-hmm. And then that's the place where we can make that happen. Right. Um, and there's a lot of different ways that that takes place. Yeah. One of the other cool things about being an intern was um, the food. So, oh, well, I love food. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things people talk about in government is lobbying. Yeah, yeah. And so one of the things that means is that if you're in Olympia during the legislative session mm-hmm. and you have some kind of badge that says that you work for some part mm-hmm. of government, you pretty much never have to pay for dinner if you don't what? want to because there's always some group that's there um hosting a dinner where mm-hmm. they can bring people in and talk about different kinds of issues um one of the most popular ones was the cattleman's dinner because they mm-hmm. obviously had like unlimited steak yeah and um that's great the potato <laughs> growers came one day and like they actually set up like at lunchtime out in the capital and you'd get these giant like two pound baked potatoes uh-huh. with like any kind of toppings wow. you want um <laughs> ice cream and Whoa. we we were encouraged to carefully consider those and yeah, along the lines yeah. of what our um, our party or our representative right. or senator that we were working with would would not just to go and kind of mooch off, but right. again, like anytime you wanted a free meal, there was there were opportunities. Yeah, was like tons and tons of people. So that was really cool. That is cool. Um, we and just kind of to tie that in, like we had panel discussions as interns with all different folks that worked at the Capitol in different capacities. So we had a lobbyist panel where they talked about what that work is. As an intern, I helped organize a panel of media, which was really cool. We got to have the um, NPR correspondent for Olympia come. We had, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank, a couple other local reporters, but we got to, I think somebody from the AP came too. So we got to you know hear about the work that they do and how, they sometimes work together on that stuff. We had a panel of researchers. There's people that during the legislative session, like their full-time job is a senator wants to know about a specific piece of legislation or an issue. Mm-hmm. They go back and research all of the, the work that's been done mm-hmm. over time. And Dude, that job would be cool. So <laughs> I think it takes the right Nerd. kind of person. Yeah. It takes yeah. the right kind of personality, but definitely yeah. um, all kinds of things. Yeah. And, you, you had mentioned social media. One of the things that blows my mind, I was telling you, I I feel like I still think of this in really recent terms, but it was yeah. 2006, which is 13 years yeah. ago, Yeah. Um, which makes me feel super old. And I think in a journalism perspective, too, really speaks to how fast things have moved because um, I think at that time, 
Yeah, it was after I graduated from college that I got Twitter. And I was a pretty early adopter to Twitter. Yeah. Like at that time, the, the value of Twitter was that you could take your flip phone and send a text to yeah, a specific number <laughs> and it would post it would post it to the internet right. to your to your Twitter feed. Um and then if somebody replied, you would get that reply as a text, but it wasn't as much of a like you're seeing all this stuff in real time. So it's just crazy to think how some of that stuff has changed. Um, but during my internship, uh, the the key thing probably that happened in 2006 with the legislature was um, House Bill 2661, which um, I had to go back and look. I was trying to find the specific language. And luckily, um, it actually was on Wikipedia. So um, just as a kind of summary, the, the bill was about banning employment insurance and housing discrimination against LP, LGBT individuals. Um, and it was passed by the legislature on January 27, 2006, signed into law and went into effect on June 8 of 2006. Um, that was, I think, probably the most newsworthy and noteworthy thing that happened. I was looking back through, I, at that time, again, social media was different. I had a live journal, which yeah. is like a really primitive kind of like, um, diary. Yeah. Kind of like an online <laughs> blog, essentially. <laughs> but I, I did a pretty good job of keeping up with different things that were happening. Right. And the, the other two things I had written down that, um, were kind of big deals is there was a bill that didn't end up going anywhere, but was talking about employers being required to provide health insurance, mm. um, Interesting. Based on the certain size of the company. So yeah. they were really at that time taking aim at Walmart where uh, they weren't gotcha. offering insurance to people necessarily. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but to go back to House Bill 2661, so that was one of the bills that I ended up, because it was such a big deal, following through the process. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times, like when that bill was in committee, you had to be in line like two hours before the room opened because mm -hmm. there were so many people that wanted to be in the room and so many people that oh, wanted to talk. Yeah. And so one of the things I would also let people know about is during the legislative session um, on the legislature's website, mm -hmm. there's live audio and in a lot of cases, video of all oh, of this stuff happening. Wow. So we used to sit at our desks yeah. and we would just pop that open. But That's cool. Um, they that, still have that? Yeah. That's cool. There's a there's um, a organization called TVW mm -hmm. that I think is a state um, agency that okay. that does it's kind of like C-SPAN for Washington right. State, um, and so they they have like automated cameras in every room mm -hmm. and every room that has microphones. I think it all goes into a feed and gets wow. archived. Okay, so that's cool. That's good there. information. But um, just in summary, so two six six one ended up passing. Mm -hmm. They had tried to pass the same legislation a year before with largely the same legislature right and it had failed and the reason it passed in 2006 is because one of the republican senators from the seattle area mm -hmm. um, after going back and talking with his constituents mm -hmm. and learning a little bit more about the issue um decided to break from party rank right. and um vote in support of that bill so that was that was exactly the margin they needed to mm -hmm. be able to pass the senate they had the numbers That's in the crazy. house um that's why that's crazy like we 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 take for granted like that that stuff is like because it was it seemed like it wasn't even that long like i guess it doesn't really sound like it was that long ago but we just kind of take for granted that like lgbtq rights on at least like the basic like how, yeah like, housing rights housing we, we, rights we take, those, like, we take it as like a given now but right. like that was a legitimate like debate that 
damn near didn't get passed through a yeah. legis- like a democratic Twice. legislative process yeah. in the United States. Like, yeah, that's an, it's just it's it's weird to think about. Yeah. Anyway, just the thought. Well, that's what he was saying. It's like it's like it's 2006. You're like, oh, that's not that long ago. But it's like, no, it's 13 years ago. <laughs> yeah. But then when you put it in that perspective, it's like, dude, that's that not that's not that long ago. No. Well, and yeah, and I mean, I remember. Um, at that time because I was working on new stuff mm-hmm. for college and whatever, but like gay marriage was in such a different place at oh, that time yeah. where like that oh, was still, yeah. I mean like the leading edge of, of some of that. Mm-hmm. The other really interesting thing that I didn't put on my notes that uh-huh. I, when I was going back through, I remembered is, and it, and it ended up tying into stuff I did after my internship. But, um, w- one of the other pieces of legislation that I think was introduced or they started talking about at least a conversation around during that time Mm -hmm. was um called jessica's law Mm -hmm. um that sounds familiar okay so it is named after a little girl named jessica Uh lunsford okay um who i believe was from florida yeah and she was um kidnapped and abused and killed yes um and the the basic law was some kind of mandatory minimum sentencing for sex offenders. Yes. Um, I heard my friend who's a comedian make jokes about this. That's how I know of it. That's um, terrible. I had the opportunity. There was a rally kind of in support of that legislation. Right. And Jessica Lunsford's father, Mark was there uh-huh. and spoke and shared kind of some of his perspective. Mm-hmm. It was a really, really interesting um, event to go to. Right. And a little bit different than like the formality of the things that happen in committees and on the floor. Um, The people that were there obviously were largely in support of the legislation. Where, what was this event? So it was, there was just like a rally on the steps of the Capitol. See what I, what I'm imagining and what I like is that, you know, you've seen the very formulaic part of it, but now you're seeing the, the participation of the people and how that is very much a part of it. Yeah. And I would say like the, the, farmers bringing the potatoes and stuff is like another variation oh, that's of a good that. point yeah and and like they may not have a like a really specific agenda that they're pushing hard right but, but it's similar so what was interesting at this rally is i think especially where i was at in that time like mm-hmm. i was pretty supportive of this idea i think that you know preying on children is terrible yeah and we've got to protect kids right and um have you know very punitive actions that happen um and then I'm at this event and they're kind of having political people make their positioning statements about the bill. And there are these folks in the crowd who are like, string them up. I've got a rope in my truck and like all of this stuff. And I just remember like in, in probably a lot of the same ways that I look now at where our country is and where like the way I have leaned growing up, I see it going to a place where I'm not, totally comfortable right and it's like figuring out how how do you navigate that where yeah (laughs) where does it go um but it was it was very interesting to hear mark lunsford speak and then to get to shake his hand and and talk with him afterward and to think about um again taking like something like this piece of legislation or like a law and making it very very personal right and i think the balance is how do you think of things in those terms. Mm -hmm. Politicians are often really good at doing that when they're campaigning. They'll say like, 
take Jim the farmer yes. in Iowa. Yeah. And because of this global thing that's happened or this this thing they're doing mm-hmm. in DC, his you know, his farm is going under. Right. And so we've obviously got to change this. That's that's totally unacceptable. Um looking at that individual thing, but also um not just passing a sweeping piece of legislation mm-hmm. for a single yes. individual circumstance. Yeah. In that's hard. That's a hard balance. Sure. And that's, I kind of talked about that two weeks ago when we had Donna on, but yeah. it's like, there's so many individual stories and cases that affect all types of different sure. legislation. One of the things too, that I think was specific about Jessica's law um, and what, what was happening in Washington and that I think the Republican party at that time was really trying to, to look at is there was legislation also being proposed that would um, lessen or give opportunities for um, counseling or things like that instead of prison time for sex offenders who had a pre-existing relationship with their victim. Mm-hmm. The idea behind that is if you are a victim or if you are a family member of a victim and you find out, you might be less likely to report that crime if you're under the understanding oh. that that at minimum that person's going to get 25 years in prison and there's right. no negotiating around that. Oh, um, that's interesting. The argument on the other side yeah. was that we teach our kids to be wary of strangers and that there are people that they can trust, you know, people from mm-hmm. church, people from school, coaches, things mm-hmm. like that. And that if those people violate that trust, we've got to have a strong punishment that that holds right. them accountable. So it's a difficult, yeah. a difficult yeah. issue. And as I recall, there wasn't legislation passed. That, no, it ha- I know it didn't pass at that time because it tied in with um, some things that I did after the legislative session. So um, I got done in March. Um, spring quarter for my school started in April. Um, I had some personal stuff going on. That was another reason why this internship was like so critical for me. I had been dating somebody basically all through college and our, our anyways, our relationship ended up finally ending yeah. right as I was leaving for my internship. And oh, so, wow. okay. um, that was a super welcome distraction. Right. It, right. It was super helpful. So you, are you going, are you going to school while you're up there doing this? I mean, I could have taken like, online classes right. or I wanted to, but basically no. I, oh, okay. So that was what I did for winter quarter, which also meant I was postponing graduation. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Um, and so I I got done with the internship. I did not feel like I was ready to be back up at school mm-hmm. and face some of that situation. I also was looking and realizing that there were certain classes that I had to take in sequence, like winter and spring quarter right. that are only for seniors. So I decided not to go back to school for spring quarter. But oh, I, didn't, okay. I didn't have any kind of plan of what right. I was going to do. So that was kind of really nerve wracking. And then like a week after the spring term started, Rebel. I got this phone call. So again, we had all kinds of opportunities right. um, as interns. And I had gone to this lunch cool. where um, there were people there talking about working on campaigns and uh-huh. like the the groups that are formed to help support different c- candidates. Mm-hmm. And so this guy called and was like, hey, you put your phone number down on this list of somebody to be interested in working on campaigns. Um, we have a county commissioner that's running for re-election um, in Kitsap County, which is just across the Puget Sound from Seattle. Yeah. Um, she's actually looking for somebody that can start right away. I don't know what your school schedule is or if that's something that'd be of interest to you. But So I ended up 
driving up there interviewing with the candidate and with this consultant and on a like a Thursday or a Friday and then coming home loading a bunch of stuff in the car and driving up and moving into a hotel like the following week till I could find an apartment and Jeez. Um, wow. working as a campaign manager <laughs> for a county commissioner. Yeah. So I went from looking at state government, um, which was really cool, mm-hmm. to local government, which right. was awesome and eye-opening in some totally different ways. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know anything about county government m- coming in, but in quick summary, by default in Washington – um, every county has three commissioners, mm-hmm. and they have rough geographic districts that they represent. Any county that wants to can vote to establish a new charter and change that structure, but that's mm-hmm. the default. And so most are in sort of that model. So Kitsap County, like I said, just across from Seattle, you have like Bremerton mm-hmm. and um, Silverdale and Bainbridge Island, if people are familiar with that area. Bremerton has a big um, military hub yeah. and yeah. base, and yeah. all up through there. You also have, um, I think historically, like the timber industry, which has declined, but was there in a big way. You also have in a lot of those parts of the communities, like um, retired folks who've like kind of come and settled in there. So it's a really diverse group. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Vancouver area where you have like a very mix of, of conservative and liberal um, I just say all of that because the, the history of the county there was that um, of the three commissioners, there had been two Democrats and one Republican for like 30 years. Mm-hmm. And then the candidate I was working for had just been elected. I think, I don't know if it's a four-year term or two-year term, but she had broken that balance and shifted oh, it to wow. two Republicans and one Democrat. Mm-hmm. So that had been kind of a big deal there. Um, so it's 2006, mm-hmm. which is a midterm election year for George W. Bush in his second term. Um there's a lot of sentiment around the Iraq war going on and different things like that. So nationally people are swinging probably more to the left. Mm -hmm. And in this kind of independent balanced County, there certainly was some sentiment around that. Mm -hmm. What was interesting in the primary two, two things. um, And I see some of it kind of potentially being repeated today. So this candidate um, had come in and shifted the balance of power to two Republicans instead of two Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other things that had happened at the state legislature is they had passed um, some legislation that talked about property zoning. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember the specifics, but it basically had to do with like how close to a creek or a pond or a body of water could you develop your land or okay. build or things like that. So um, people who have that libertarian mindset mm-hmm. say, it's my land, I should be able to do what I want with it. Right. Um and then you have people who um, obviously are in support of saying we need to protect these resources. Yeah. It's something that, yes, it's on your land, but watersheds affect everybody. Yeah. And so um, the candidate I was working for had essentially said, we are going to enforce what the legislature has passed. We're going to fall in line with that. Mm-hmm. Um as you kind of had this Tea Party mentality developing within the Republican Party there was a strong contingent there who said, no, like we have the majority in the, in the County. We should fight this. We should do what we want. We should do what's right for our people and their land that they own. Um, and so as a result, she had a challenger in the primary, um, who was this guy who like kind of was lockstep with that. Um, and, you know, basically said she was too moderate and had not Mm. pushed hard enough. 
which really appealed, <laughs> which which really appealed to the base that was eroding because you had people who were probably in the middle who were leaning more left. Yeah. The other thing that happened that was really interesting, and I I think this has changed now, but in two thousand six. When you voted in a primary election in Washington, you could only vote in one party's primary. So right. if you said, I'm Democrat, you could only vote in the Democratic races. If you said, I'm Republican, you could only vote in the Republican races. And why I think that was really important in the Wait, in this, if you if you just if you voted in it. OK, OK. Well, okay. Washington's a caucus, so you could right. show up to either one of them. Right. Yeah. But there I guess it's honor system that you just can't show up to the other parties. Right. I've, I've been to Republican caucuses. Yeah. yeah, but isn't it in Oregon? You whatever you're registered as, you're only allowed. Or is this for local elections? Yeah, I don't know. Local elections, I guess you do vote yeah. like it's a primary system. Yeah. But for right. But for president, I guess it's a caucus. And so okay. why that mattered yeah. is in 2006 in Kitsap County, the county sheriff's position was up for uh, election, mm-hmm. and all the candidates who were running for sheriff were running as Democrats. Hmm. So. If you valued the sheriff, which people may value the sheriff more than the county commissioner, you had to vote in the Democratic primary to have a say in that particular office. Right. Um, Which, again, I think further eroded the number of people who were Mm -hmm. voting in the Republican primary. Yeah. As a result, my candidate who was an incumbent was defeated. Right. Which was crazy, too, because I had like leased this apartment through November thinking, Mm -hmm. okay, we'll have the primary in the general election. So now I suddenly in like Whoa. August or September, I'm out of a job again. Yeah. Um, and the next, oh, what I forgot to mention yeah. too is like a couple of weeks after um, I got hired to work for this candidate, she had two different consultants working on her campaign and she ended up firing the one who had hired me, who I knew. Oh, wow. So <laughs> I ended up working directly with her and with this other consultant that she was working with, who was super interesting. He's like... Um, most interesting man in the world kind of status. Cause he, at that time he was doing running political campaigns in Turkey and like other places. And then, so he would go and do work there consulting. And then he kind of just did a couple local campaigns sort of for fun. Mm-hmm. And so this was one of the ones that he was doing, but it was <laughs> my just hobby. like, yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. it's like doing a podcast at nine in the morning on a Thursday. <laughs> <for fun. laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. Much. So, Anyways, so the original consultant that had hired me called me back yeah. and was like, "Hey, I don't know how your how your things are shaping up, but I have a candidate in the local area there that's running for state senate. Mm-hmm. There was a Republican seat that the incumbent was not seeking re-election, and so they had another candidate who was running. Right. Um, so I ended up moving to work on his campaign. Jeez. Um, and he, one of his big platform things was Jessica's Law. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. He had a neighbor whose daughter had had this experience right and it was somebody that the family had a close relationship with and so he was really really passionate about that um and it was interesting because i had that offer and then i also had an offer for somebody that was a state representative um who was running for re-election she was an incumbent she'd had the position for several terms and one the i think it was the consultant who hired me basically said like you know, where you're at in your life and your career right now, you want to work with one of these people that is going to win, um, that it's kind of a slam dunk because then when you're done with school, they'll hire you to work on their staff or they'll be an in for you to find a job in Olympia if that's something. And at, at that time with the experience I had, I was like, that could be really cool. Right. And so 
I ended up working on this campaign and in 2006 in this kind of divided county where you know things kind of were roughly split there wasn't a single Republican that held their seat or was elected so it went totally blue whoa so the county commission <laughs> race that I had been in yeah the candidate that defeated um, the commissioner I was working for who mm-hmm. was like way to the right like we're gonna we're gonna defend our rights and yeah. our land and everything he was defeated by a 26 year old who had just graduated from ah. college but ran as a Democrat right um, and I think it's really interesting because it talks about how people take their national sentiments and apply them locally right mm-hmm. and I think that's an easy trap to do or, or to fall into right we all are exposed to those national things we've talked about it you, yeah. you see them everywhere it's much harder to find local information. It's a narrower audience. You mm-hmm. have to go to these smaller local sources. Right. But you also have the opportunity to go and potentially meet those folks in person or see the issues. I, I know yeah. on one of your earlier episodes, we were talking about like, how long does a stoplight take? Right. Like, right. That's something I observe every day right. versus, again, like thinking of some of the stuff that's happening other places. Right. And, and recognizing who, who has the ability to affect change in some of those areas. Yeah. Um, what are you thinking? Because you kind of were like, mm-hmm. Well, on what specifically? <laughs> the Tea Party stuff. Oh, I mean, we've <laughs> talked about it, how the, the Republican Party became, you know, it was a process where the Republican Party ate itself for the better part of four years. Right. Um, and then it, but it... it manifested and rebounded as a new being under right. under Trump. Mm-hmm. So, well, and one thing we're almost out of time here, but one thing I want to say is like Jake and I were looking through a comment section and we saw it was a democratic page and they were just bickering about the dumbest stuff. And I just I was just like look at this fighting right here and Jake's like I know that. I've seen that. And it's it's just interesting cuz I'm watching all of this for through a lens of like a party that I identify with and Jake's watching and going, I've seen this, like I know what's going to happen. And, and that's something that as, as kind of an outsider to the democratic mm-hmm, party, but mm-hmm. that's something that I feel like I've observed. Um, it seems like, and maybe this has changed, but right. by and large, the Republican party has, has had kind of this, this similar direction or like this core set of issues or values that everybody is pulling on. And the democratic party has, has opposed some of those things. Right. But, but different factions have opposed different parts of it. Mm -hmm. So I think, and I think there's maybe a movement where they're coalescing a little more, but I I, I guess like in 2006, I remember when I was watching national things or even at the local level a little bit, there were the people who were really into the, the same sex rights thing. Right. And then there were people who were into um, healthcare Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, and thinking about some of those kinds of things, but it wasn't necessarily like all the same group. And so when you start to get into that horse trading and, and like figuring out how do we actually make some of these things happen, um, it seemed like the Republican Party was much more in step with like these are the things that we're willing to concede and these are the things that we aren't. Right. And on the other side of the aisle, everybody wanted to hold on to their pet personal issue, um, and and mm. wouldn't let that go. And they and there wasn't kind of that same basic set of like this is what we're looking for. Right. Hmm. I don't know. There was a lot of factionalism in the Republican Party in between 2010 and 2016, to the point where. 
Um, you know, any any sort of any any sort of compromise is seen as weakness by moderates. Right. Any any sort of concession on immigration, like I, like the Gang of Eight bill, right? Marco Rubio will never live that down in the minds of Tea Party voters because he worked on legislation that would have provided a a path to citizenship for illegal immigration, illegal immigrants that haven't that meet a certain amount of criteria. We don't have to get into the gang what the Gang of Eight bill was, but John McCain was on that. Marco Rubio was on that. Some prominent uh, establishment Republicans who hold those core values um, were were marginalized and became cast off. Marco Rubio has since rebranded himself, right? But it, it initially that ended up killing him. In the 2016 primaries, he just couldn't live that down because these issues had become had become so factional. And then over time, the the, the Tea Party lost a lot. The Republican Party has lost a lot of um, general elections. Especially one that comes to mind was uh, was in the Senate race in Nevada when Harry Reid won re-election in 2014. Is that um, the Republicans should have the Republican the moderate Republican that was running against him was polling better, but he ended up losing the primary to a Tea Party candidate who was unelectable. Then so ushers in so basically what what they the Tea Party took a lot of what I'm getting at is a Tea Party took a lot of losses, but eventually they you know they survived and they rebrand they they rebound the Republican Party under the Tea Party leadership did rebound, but it's manifested in something that doesn't hold any what I anything what I would consider as traditional Republican values. Right. right. So it's I, I just I see that same transformation process happening yeah. where in the Democratic Party now it's now if if you're a moderate Democrat that is that has a track record of working across the aisle, see Joe Biden, you're mm-hmm. you're a you're a traitor, right? Like right. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bring all this stuff up from the past and you worked with so and so and like you worked with this guy, you worked with this senator, he was a racist, so how can you how could you have worked with that guy? Right. Well it's just like, well, they're both elected officials. They they're mandated to work with other elected officials. Mm-hmm. That's just that was the nature of the game back then. I mean I, I don't but that's but that is that is the tactics that's being used today and I see the same populism that grew within the Republican Party is now is now it's starting to take hold and i think the democrats will probably lose in 2020 yeah but eventually it will rebrand itself come up as a as a progressive populist party and we'll just have two populist parties yelling at each other right Um, building building walls instead of bridges yeah yeah Yeah. metaphorically yes and or literally and literally because now it'll be okay if you're a republican you're a trump supporter and you don't have any sort of claim to power you're a you don't it's just when we're reading that when we talked about it in democratic norms, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you when you erode, when you erode the legitimacy of of your opponent yeah. to be a right to, to be a rightful holder of power, you you create this system where people don't. It's like all of a sudden now it's life. They see it as life or death, right? I had to vote for Demo- a Democrat regardless of who it is because yes. that Republican is so bad, right? The, we 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 can't allow him to take power, mm-hmm. and then that just honestly that just erodes cooper it erodes cooperation, and it makes it it makes it honestly governance impossible. So, just kind of a macro, <laughs> a, mac- <laughs> a, a macro take on all this different stuff we've been talking about. All right. Well, CJ, we didn't get to anything else, <laughs> so guys, we'll have to have can, you back. You guys can keep I, going. I warned you. Yeah. You guys yeah. can keep going. I just I'm the one that got to take that has to take off. No, Jake, it's not the same without you. Oh. Twins over here. <laughs> well, you had to, you had to, uh, 
You mean you weren't on the last episode? I that's felt bad okay. about that. No. Oh, well. Nobody wants to hear me talk. Well, that's not true. <laughs> I, I told Jeff when when you move to DC, if if schedules get difficult, I'll be the pinch hitter and awesome. <laughs> well, that's perfect. Yeah. Keep things rolling. Right. Oh, Boogie tore his ACL. I just I just got the update. Are you kidding Again? me? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Where is he playing? Uh, Lakers suck it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any last thoughts, you two? CJ, just thank you guys. It's been thank you. A, yeah, a thanks delight. For, thanks for coming on. Yeah, we'll have to talk Blazers next time and get closer oh, to the season. We'll get my you gosh. on. Yes, oh, yeah. we have to do Blazers. I know people were like, no, but suck it. It's our show. We you guys, you guys, you guys missed. You guys missed it this time, but it, it's coming. Yeah, it's oh, coming in it's, a big way. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is going to be a special season. <laughs> We're winning it all. You we're, see that court? I we're winning it this that court. Um <laughs> yeah, we're winning we're winning it. All right. Year. Uh thanks CJ so much. Sorry we didn't get to everything, but we'll have you back anytime that we can make this happen. Awesome. Thank you guys. Yeah. For sure. Go to work, Jake. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.